Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for giving the show a download, a listen, a view, a follow, wherever it is that you are. We appreciate you being here. And that's right. You did hear me correctly. We are more than just ear candy. You can watch episodes of The Exam Room on YouTube. Just head over to the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel. We have a ton of episodes up there just waiting for you to click play. Now then, let's role play. I want to give you a little scenario. You're super hungry. I mean ravenously I'm going to eat everything in my sight type of hungry. But the only thing in front of you now are two burgers. One is a regular beef hamburger. The other is a veggie burger. And you can only choose one of them. I need for you to set all other health concerns aside for the moment and just focus strictly on being hungry. Which of these is going to fill you up? Which burger is going to satisfy that hunger? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the great burger battle, so ring that bell. Dr. Hana Kaliova is the referee of this showdown between beef and plants. She's here talking about the sweet science behind satiety. She actually conducted a study where she asked dozens of guys to eat a cheeseburger and then eat a veggie burger and rate how full they got and how long they stayed that way. 60 guys then chowed down in the name of nutrition, and we have an undisputed champion. Which is the true king? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. And since we're going to have a Burger King on the show, we're going to have to keep all things equal and welcome back to the show a queen, the fiber queen. Dietitian Lee Crosby, of course, she's here with a look at all things fiber, fiber from A to Z. What is it about that nutrient that makes it such a health powerhouse? She's got the answers and she's bringing with her tons of research. All told, when you add up everyone involved in the studies that we're going to be talking about today, easily more than a quarter million people. And a lot of them followed for two decades or longer. Talk about some irrefutable research, huh? Irrefutable research showing how eating more fiber can lower your risk of breast cancer, colorectal cancer, heart disease, and increase your life expectancy. Fiber from A to Z, and it is always so much fun when Lee is on the show. And then, and then, to top it all off, making his debut, stepping into the exam room for the very first time is dietitian Min Nguyen. He is one of my newest colleagues here at the Physicians Committee. He's here to talk about the upcoming Kickstart Intensive Program. That is a two-day affair teaching you everything that you need to know about how to get going on a plant-based diet. Maybe it's something that you're finally ready to do. Maybe you've been vegan for a while and can just use a tune-up. That's what the intensive is designed for. So save the date, May 10th and 11th, right here in Washington, D.C. I'm going to be speaking there. Dr. Neil Barnard, he's going to be speaking there. Lee's going to be there and so many others. And we would love to have you join us. But before we get into that, 
Let's get ready to battle! The Great Burger Battle, beef versus plants. Who you got? Place your bets, because here we go. Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll, sitting across the table from Dr. Hanna Kaliova. She's the Director of Research for the Physicians Committee. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. The last time you were here, we were talking about this incredible study you conducted on the uh, effect of a plant-based burger versus a traditional beef burger on diabetes, and the results were staggering. Come to find out there's a whole other portion to this study that you conducted that is, I mean, like literally my head is just going to explode. I'm so giddy to even talk about it. What you found out, this is part two of the study that we talked about what she found out is if you eat a beef hamburger, you're not going to be nearly as full as you would a plant-based burger. Did a whole study on this. Mind-blowing. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for being here to, to talk about this. So what do we know? How do we know it? I mean, this is just so incredible to me. So although our main focus was um, men with diabetes for the burger study, where we compared the effects of a plant-based burger, a veggie burger, versus a regular hamburger mm -hmm. with um, processed meat and cheese um, um, on gut hormone secretion, uh, but also on satiety, uh, we decided uh, to also invite men who were obese with no diabetes mm -hmm. as another group. And also a group of healthy men who were slim uh, and were age matched. So the obese men were age and body mass index matched to those with diabetes. And the healthy controls didn't have any diabetes and were slim and mm -hmm. were only age matched. Uh, what, what age range are we talking here? Uh, we're talking about these men were in, were in their 50s and 60s. Okay. Okay. So middle age, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, still, still some good years yeah. ahead of them. Still yes. some good years ahead yes. of them. Um, <laughs> A lot of potential. Yeah. I would imagine when somebody signs, when you're recruiting for this study, right, and you're like, all right, we're looking for people to eat hamburgers, I would imagine you must have gotten flooded with applications. That's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, come on, free burgers? Come, come exactly. on. Exactly. I mean, this, this is like a dream come true. Um, I mean, so cool. Uh, and again, as, a, as a, uh, a recap in case people didn't hear the last episode, uh, what type of hamburgers are we talking about here? So we're talking about a veggie burger uh, that was available on the market. We went to a vegan restaurant and ordered this veggie burger. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a meat burger with cheese from McDonald's. Oh. Both of them are readily available on the market. Okay. And we just compared both of them. Both of them had the same amount of energy, the same amount of calories, the same amount of macronutrients, the same amount of carbohydrate, fat, and protein. So we're, for the McDonald's burger, are we talking just like a plain cheeseburger? Did it have ketchup or mustard or pickles or anything? anything on there it had a little bit of uh, you know pickles and some some spices and some ketchup and uh, some lettuce and tomato so basically the standard yeah. burger yeah. if you ordered it yeah. just straight up this is exactly. what you're gonna get okay this is great <laughs> this is so great all right the findings of the study if somebody eats the the vegan uh, burger how how much how would you rate their satiety that's the that's the best way to put it. How would you rate that? Right. Uh, so what was completely striking was that all men 
in all groups reported a greater satiety after a plant-based burger. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference um, in healthy men between the burgers was 25%. So men felt fuller after the plant-based burger, after the veggie burger, by 20% compared to the same amount of calories consumed in the regular hamburger. Wow. And what was also interesting was that the difference, um, you know, all men fell fuller after the veggie burger. Right. However, the difference was getting smaller and smaller in obese and type 2 diabetics. So it was 25% in healthy people. Mm -hmm. Then it was 19% in obese men. And it was only 9% in diabetics because, you know, there's a disruption um, of all the satiety uh, signals that starts in the gut uh, with the gut hormone secretion, which we were also measuring. We were measuring the gut hormone secretion sure. in all three groups of men. And we found out that the plant-based burger also increases the gut hormone secretion more efficiently than the regular hamburger. Hit the microphone there. That's all right. Um, okay. See, so say tidy. I, I will tell you, as a former uh, overweight guy, I would have never thought that it was anything as complicated as right. that. I would have simply said, "Well, I've stretched out my stomach. It's the size of a football field. So now, naturally, I can hold more. Thus, I will be hungry because." It's mm. not filled to capacity, but that's mm. not necessarily the case, what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so although both meals um, had the same amount of energy, the same amount of macronutrients, carbohydrate and fat, you know, the plant-based meal produced uh, a greater satiety in all men. Was the plant-based burger bigger in size than the McDonald's burger? Uh, if we're just talking about pure ounces? Uh, it was... Um, one ounce bigger. Okay, I, I would. Yeah, I, w- I was just wondering because about that, of the lower energy density, exactly. you need to compensate. Exactly. Uh, but also, it contained a lot more fiber. That's where I was going. All right, stole my thunder so, there, Doctor Kaliova. <laughs> while the regular hamburger had only two grams of fiber, mm-hmm. uh, the veggie burger contained eight grams of fiber. And we know that fiber is the main uh, driver of satiety. Uh, it works in all parts of our gastrointestinal tract, not only in the stomach, but also in the gut to promote satiety. I'm actually surprised that there was two grams of fiber in the beef burger. I would imagine that may have come from the lettuce or tomatoes. Exactly. (laughs) A little bit of (laughs) lettuce and tomato. Certainly not the beef. Two grams. That's funny. Um, so you're talking 20% uh, or to 25% in, in a healthier individual. I mean, that's that's pretty significant, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, by one-fourth, you know, to be fuller after one meal by 25%, that's pretty good. So were you surprised when when you started to see these kinds of results? I mean, because I would think, well, with the diabetes study, it's like, well, we knew that there was going to be a correlation there, maybe not to the effect that what we saw, which is which is wonderful. But in terms of just keeping people full, were you surprised at what you found here? Yeah, I was completely fascinated by the results because we were measuring satiety. Men were reporting their satiety uh, at five time points uh, before each blood draw. Mm-hmm. And we were tracking, you know, satiety on in all these five time points. 
and you see these lines being like completely, you know, up and down. Right, right. <laughs> so more up with the veggie burger. And I was like, in each time point, it's not only like, you know, an average or something. It's in each single time point. Wow. So I was like looking at these lines. And I was like, <laughs> this is a huge difference, you know. What, uh, what, what time points? Like what were the increments here? Uh, so uh, the time points were the fasting state uh, and uh, right before. Right after they ate their veggie burger or the hamburger, uh-huh. then 30 minutes after the meal, 60 minutes, 120, and 180 minutes. So okay. three hours after they ingested the meal, um, there was the last blood draw and the last satiety rating. Uh, with the beef burgers, after that three-hour period had elapsed, were the were the guys just largely ravenously hungry at that point? Where they, you know, they're like, "Man, I need another burger. Yeah. It's it's time to eat something else." Exactly, they were getting pretty hungry. Yeah. While after the veggie burger, they felt like, mm, yeah. You know, I maybe in a few hours I I would eat something. Right. See, that's that's fascinating. We've talked ad nauseum on this show. Your colleague uh, Lee Crosby, a wonderful dietitian nutritionist upstairs. Um, I mean, I call her the fiber queen, and she will come in mm-hmm. here and she will break down exactly why fiber keeps us full for so long. And it's it's fascinating. And so it seems to me like a lot of that has to. To, to go in here as well. I want to go back, though, to what you were talking about as far as gut hormones and satiety. Uh, could you refresh our memory on, on what the connection is there? Uh, so everything starts in our stomach uh, and in our gut when we ingest a meal. Uh, there are hormones that are being secreted uh, that promote satiety and some of them suppress satiety. So there is a balance between them. And obviously, we want more of the hormones that promote satiety to be released after a meal. Uh, so we, what we found out, uh, that these satiety-promoting hormones are being secreted more after a plant-based meal, after the veggie burger, mm-hmm. compared with the regular burger in all the groups. So it's not only true for diabetics. Uh, you know, it was like a breakthrough that we, we've discovered that the veggie burger can increase the incretin uh, secretion. Um, incretins are the hormones in the gut that promote insulin secretion from our pancreas, from the beta cells. Right, right. Um, and also increase the, the insulin secretion by 30%, which is a huge difference. Uh, comparable to pharma therapy, uh, to uh, an effect seen in medications developed for diabetes. Gotcha. Uh, but it's not only true for diabetics, it's also true for healthy people. Right. You know, we saw this increase in incretin hormone secretion also in healthy individuals. The effect was not as big, so it was about 20% increase in incretin in secretion in diabetics and about 10% in healthy controls. Mm. But still, it was, you know, because healthy people don't have a diminished incretin effect, so they don't really need uh, to increase their incretin uh, hormone secretion as much. Right. However, we were still able to see the difference between yeah. the meals. I was just going to ask, like, why Why is it? I would actually think that the, the di- the, that would be inverse. You know, I would think that the healthy people would produce more. But exactly what you're saying there makes total sense to me because, yeah. well, you don't need it. Why produce right. it? You know, right. that's that's really, really interesting to me. Um, 
I want to go back. We talked about this on the last show as well, but just in case somebody's hearing this and they haven't uh, heard that um, segment just yet, the guys were also given a beverage with these burgers, right? No fries, but definitely a beverage, right? A beverage, a hot beverage. A hot beverage. It was. They came in early in the morning, you know, at six a.m. or so. Uh, so it was a nice start of the day. So a hot beverage. We're talking coffee, correct? Cafe latte. Cafe latte. You guys went gourmet for the. Mm. <laughs> that went with the meat burger. Uh, you know, we got the beverage together with the burger mm-hmm. at McDonald's. While in the vegan restaurant, we, you know, we got the veggie burger together with green tea. Gotcha. Oh, green tea. All right. That's a, that's a little more my style. That's yeah. a little bit more <laughs> my style. Uh, so what, what are the implications for this? I, you know, I think that you look at this and I think that let me let me let me rephrase this. Let me let me see if I can phrase this properly. I think that when it comes to analyzing research, a lot of us who haven't gone to school to study these types of things are, are a little bit overwhelmed. And so you start throwing mm-hmm. numbers here, percentages there, gut hormones this, gut hormones that. But just in terms of how long somebody's able to stay full after right. eating, that's a concept right. we can all grasp. Okay, I'm, it's not a simple concept because, if, as you've just mm-hmm. said, there's a lot of complexities that go into it. But everybody can understand, like, if I eat this, I'm going to be full way longer than if I eat that. Yeah. And so I think that the implications then of this study, whether you're diabetic or you're healthy, could be huge. Absolutely. Anyone who's listening wants to be more full and more satisfied after a meal, you know, and be able to go longer uh, with longer breaks between the meals. That's exactly the message of um, of this uh, of this study. And were the participants surprised at the results as well? I mean, were they expecting there to be a big difference? Yeah, they were surprised. They were like, you know, I was getting more, you know, hungry and ready to eat n- another meal after the meat burger. And I feel pretty, pretty well now after the veggie burger. I can have a meal in a few hours or so, but I don't feel hungry. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just fascinating to me. That so, is absolutely fascinating. You know, relevant to anyone who wants to be slim or stay slim, you know, who wants to um, be satisfied after a meal, uh, these study findings are relevant to everyone. Uh, Just a couple of uh, cappers uh, on this study. I want to get some numbers out there. Uh, When the guys came in and they had fasted, they had fasted for how long? Overnight, but can you quantify uh, that in terms of 10 to 12 hours. 10 to 12 hours. And uh, because we have more than just diabetics in this particular study, how large was the overall sample size of this study? So we were studying 60 men. 60. Yeah. Okay. In a in a crossover design, so all sixty men came on two mornings uh, to consume these two burgers. Gotcha. So crossover design meaning they had one type of burger one day and the other type of burger the other. Or uh, what does that mean? Yeah, um, but they were um, in separate weeks. So they were um, on. You know, they came for one burger on one day, and then one week later they came and ate another burger. I wonder how many of these guys like kind of looked more into a plant-based diet afterward. I, were were any of them uh, vegan that were study participants, or was that a disqualifier? Uh, it was a disqualifier. Aha! So these are all omnivores. Yeah. Beef. Uh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. This is fascinating. <laughs> I really, I, I really, my hat is off to you because I think that this is just a genius concept. And yes, as I said, you can look at the study and we will put the link up at pcrm.org slash podcast uh, on the show page, both for the satiety uh, study that we're referencing as well as the diabetes one. But you can look at the graphs, you can look at the numbers, but again, at the end of the day, Dr. Kaliova, it comes down to can you keep me feeling full longer? Yeah. In turn, that will help somebody who's you know struggling with obesity consume fewer calories. In turn, they will become healthier. In turn, less likely to be diabetic. Maybe they have heart disease. Maybe yeah. they can reverse that. I mean, like the implications here are just enormous. And the good news uh, is if your friends are not vegan, they can still experience the benefits uh, from one single plant-based meal. Mm -hmm. You know, and, it's amazing. It, right. So and, and last question, the, these guys obviously were not vegan that were in the study, as you said, but did they enjoy the plant-based burger? Yeah, they they enjoyed it more than the regular hamburger. No, yeah. really? They got <laughs> higher marks. How about that? How about that? Let that be a lesson to you, boys yeah. and girls. That is fascinating. You do some seriously good work, Dr. Kaliova. Thank you. I, I'm just, man, my hat is off to you. If I was wearing a hat right now, I'd take it off. <laughs> but, I, I mean, just seriously, uh, congratulations on this research. I know uh, you mentioned that it had been picked up and covered pretty pretty widely and you know, I can see why. I mean, this is this is just a phenomenal, phenomenal concept. So congratulations. Thank you. And the winner and undisputed champion of the burger world, the veggie burger. So funny to hear that, given how often I would order something meaty from the drive through on my way home when I would weigh 420 pounds. Always, always, always the food had some sort of meat in it, whether it's a beef burrito or beef nachos or a quarter pounder from McDonald's or a double Whopper from Burger King. I would dive in, chow down, thinking that it was going to fill me up. It turns out I should have just gone home and crushed a veggie burger. Would have been much better off, fuller and healthier. And now you know. And knowing, in this case, is more than half the battle. So why is it that the veggie burger was able to land that knockout punch? Let's dive a little bit deeper and let's talk about the fiber aspect of it. There is absolutely no fiber found in meat. And that is the veggie burger's secret weapon in this case. And since fiber keeps us feeling full, naturally, it's going to triumph in its battle with beef. It has a beef with beef and it won. But what else is fiber good for? Absolutely everything. The Fiber Queen, Lee Crosby, she is next up in the exam room to talk about all things fiber. Here to put on her crown and ready to deliciously dish all about it. How does fiber work in the blood? How does it scrub all of that bad stuff out of our system? Why does it lower our risk of colorectal cancer, of breast cancer, and so many others? Why does it keep our heart beating healthfully? And how can eating fiber actually add years to our life? All of that, as you're about to hear, is super, super, super important given how lacking fiber is in the traditional diet, or sad diet, the standard American diet. 
continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Today is the burger battle. We just spoke with Dr. Hanna Kaliova. Very interesting study there, looking at whether a traditional beef burger will keep you more full, or does the veggie burger really help curb those hunger pains? Is that where the answer is? Well, according to her, it's all about the veggie. And why is that? Well has a little something to do with something called fiber. And I can't think of anybody better to bring back to the show than the fiber queen herself from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. Ladies and gentlemen, the queen of fiber, dietitian Lee Crosby. Delighted to be here, Chuck. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Of course. You know you're my go-to source for all things fiber. I know. I am the fiber lady. You are. The fi- Matter of fact, <laughs> I- I'm dead serious. So as we tape this, we're just a couple of days removed from the Fairfax Veg Fest, which was held just outside of Washington, D.C. We had a listener of the program come up, very wonderful young lady. And uh, she's like, I just spoke to the fiber queen. <laughs> that sounds about right. I'm serious. Like, it's it's taking off now. It's a thing. I feel like we need How to market this. How do I leverage this? this? Yeah. I know. I-, I think that we need to start with T-shirts. Then we'll rebrand. Oh, rebrand t-shirts would be Quest. so yeah. fun. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. this could be good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hello, GoFundMe. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Look out uh, for the next campaign. <laughs> All right. So here's what I want to do. We, we've we've done this very interesting study about the burgers, the veggie versus the beef, and clearly plants are the clear winner here. Because I mean, was that even in question? Well, no, but it's always nice to have the data right there just to back it up. And that was a very cool study. But yes, I know, right? Yep. You know, it's so funny. Like talking to Hannah, one of the questions I asked her, I was like, "You really didn't have a hard time recruiting for this one, did you?" (laughs) Like, nope, nope, (laughs) not at all. Uh, So what I want to do is kind of do a little bit of a refresher and a little bit deeper dive on fiber. So there's always more to learn about fiber, Chuck. Put on your crown, Queen, <laughs> because right. uh, we're we're about to do this. dip into our bag of fiber tricks. Um, let's let's start with this. One of the things that we hear on the show, it's a recurring theme, is how much fiber is really lacking from the average person's diet. Yeah. How much are they coming up short in the fiber department? Oh man. Well, the standard American diet, affectionately known as SAD, yeah, they're getting about ten to fifteen grams of fiber per day. That's sort of the average average American diet. Um, That's way short of what people should be getting. We're looking at like, in some cases, less than half. So Mm. for people under the age of 50, we're looking at 25 to 38 grams per day. And for people 50 and over, we're looking at 21 to 30 grams per day. And that's more because people's food intake is is likely to be a little less in those age groups. So I mean, 10 to 15 doesn't even doesn't even come close. Mm. No, that that is a little bit short. And uh, I should also make the point that here at Physicians Committee and Barnard Medical Center upstairs, we actually recommend at least 40 grams of fiber per day. Easy to do on a plant-based diet. It really is. I easily knock out about 60 grams per day, but typical day. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that uh, in a little while. I also wanted to do a quick refresher. There are two types of fiber. There are. Soluble, insoluble. That is right. Just a quickie. What are the difference? Okay. So soluble fiber, it's called soluble because it actually dissolves in water. And what it does is it acts like a little sponge and it helps soak up excess cholesterol and also steroid hormones because they have cholesterol shapes in them. Hmm. So it actually soaks up those excess cholesterol molecules and helps you eliminate them when you drop the kids off at the pool. Aha! 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 Um, it also actually helps keep your stool a little bit softer and easier to pass as well. Mm, I, I know. That. That's I'm, important. I'm not going to lie. I mean, when, when I was overweight, 
uh, I mean, and, and sadly lacking fiber. Yeah. It was not always the most pleasant trip to the bathroom. No, no. This this should be like a gentle, easy, happy experience. One of the best parts of your day. <laughs> but no, not back in the be. day. No, no, be. no. And I will add that on a slightly separate note, it also slows the absorption of carbohydrates, too. So it gives you a nice, steady blood sugar rise and fall. Nice, steady level. Yeah, so mm-hmm. soluble fiber. Who Else. knew? Uh, right. All right. And then insoluble, I don't want to forget that. Important, too. That's that intestinal scrub brush. It adds bulk to the stool, helps keep things moving, um, and it actually helps absorb water as well to also keep things a little easier to pass. And fun fact, even back in 430 BC, good old Hippocrates knew that fiber and roughage helped move things along. Yes. And that is a fun fact. I want to give a quick shout out to Maggie Clausen, who is a student who came and interned with me for a day a few weeks back, who found that out. Shout out, Maggie. So, yeah, we have known this for quite some time, and yet still 10 to 15 grams per day. Come on, America. That was not my history book. That is a nice little nugget (laughs) that she found. Yeah, it wasn't in mine either. Yeah. Maggie coming through in a big way. Tell you. What other kind of stuff is fiber scrubbing out of the body? You mentioned cholesterol. What what else? Oh, it's it's taking out the trash. I mean, the fiber... The fiber is your trash truck, so it's getting rid of dead bacteria, which is a significant amount of your daily excretions. Uh (laughs) Let's just call it poo because that's what clinical term. I believe that is the clinical term poo. Yes, Um, so it's taking it's taking that out. There are some live bacteria in there too. Obviously, some little undigested food bits separate from fiber, mucus, dead cells from your GI tract, and all the waste products that your liver wants to get rid of. So your liver. Is I hate the word detox because people throw it around and detox cleanses, but your liver's job actually is to detoxify things to make them a little less dangerous to your body and then get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And the liver's trash can is bile. So it puts stuff it wants to get rid of in the bile that gets squirted into the GI tract, into your intestines, and then that is moved out of the body, assuming everything's moving along at a good pace. If you're constipated and it's sitting there, some of that stuff can get reabsorbed and you really don't want it. No. Stew in your own wastes, as it were. <laughs> Sitting around in your own filth, <laughs> digestively speaking. You could look speaking. at it that way. Um, true or false, uh, if you are uh, eating the standard American diet, a diet lacking in fiber by and large, yeah. isn't that don't you run the risk of kind of shedding some years off of your life, cutting cutting your expectancy a little bit short there? Oh, there are all kinds of links in terms of chronic disease and not getting enough fiber and not going to the bathroom enough. And speaking of that, I'm going to come back to it just for a minute. And again, if you guys are eating a sandwich, put it down. Um, <laughs> this is just a lot of people are like, I don't know. <laughs> Word to the wise. If you're eating one of those veggie burgers we've been talking about. Put it down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get colorful in here. So I just want you to know that a lot of people want to know, like, what the ideal – I mean, let's get real. Be, you want to know what's supposed to look right and what's not. You're really going <laughs> – his expression is priceless. I folks. love this. Um, you're going for a s- soft log-style poop as opposed to a gravel deer poop. <laughs> so, so now you know. This show has taken a uh, – <laughs> it's, it's reached a new level, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, it's, it's really real. It is. We are keeping it really real. Have you ever been to uh, the vet's office and you see the poop chart and it tells you like how oh, yeah. healthy is my pet's poo? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. My dog's poo? There's a number chart for human poo as well. Is there really? There is. I have not yeah. seen that I in my it doctor's office. it goes from office. one to seven. Mm. <laughs> well, you need to go to a doctor with cooler stuff on the walls. <laughs> Doc, where's your poo chart? <laughs> That's right. Mm. Demand a poo chart. <laughs> I'm not leaving this office until I see the chart. 
Uh, here's uh, in all seriousness. I, I want to ask you a, a serious question. Right. Uh, fiber and heart health are also kind of synonymous with one another. If somebody has previously suffered a heart attack, they've had this health awakening. How important is it then for their heart moving forward that they increase their fiber consumption? Very important. So again, we know that soluble fiber, which tends to come packaged with insoluble fiber, we know that that can lower cholesterol. But actually, there was a study done um, not too long ago in the British Medical Journal, and they found that fiber decreases the likelihood of having a heart attack of dying after a heart attack, I should say. So what they did was they found that a high-fiber diet was associated with a 31% decrease in risk of dying from any cause and a 35% decrease in the risk of dying from heart disease specifically. And that was among heart attack survivors. So it's really important if people have heart disease, have had a heart attack, that they start increasing the amount of fiber in their diet. And the way to do that is to increase these healthy whole plant foods and move those animal foods off the plate. You're talking about a 35% 35% swing. That's huge. Yeah, that is huge. That's huge. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah, and this works for a lot of different reasons, but fiber, especially from grains, which a lot of people are like, oh, they're afraid of carbs. Do not fear carbs. Carbs are your friends when they're in the forms of you know fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and whole grains. In this case, it was whole grains, that fiber that they found that helps decrease inflammation systemically, improve insulin sensitivity, lower bad cholesterols, all of these things, lower bad cholesterol, all of these are things that can, if they are going in the opposite direction, contribute to heart disease, but can help to reverse it if you have already had a heart attack. That's phenomenal. Or even if you hadn't. So important. Mm. I'll say. Yeah. Uh, What else is fiber good for? So we mentioned the cholesterol levels. It kind of, it really, I mean, I don't want to say, but yeah. So it does, it does help lower cholesterol. It helps lower blood pressure. And again, part of that's because it's found with other things like potassium that help lower blood pressure. Um, Helps you with weight control. It can help, as we've mentioned, reduce the risk of all kinds of chronic diseases, heart disease, you know, type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancer. So again, there's really nothing that fiber can't do, as it turns out. Dr. Kaliova's study was looking at um, beef burgers, you know, red meat. And we know that that has long been associated with colorectal cancer. Uh, Say you bump up your fiber consumption there. I assume that you can then flip that script. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So high fiber diets have been found to have been linked to a lower risk of colorectal cancer. Mm -hmm. And in this one, there was one study published in gastroenterology and researchers actually did a meta-analysis. So a study of other studies, Um, they looked at 20 different studies analyzing fiber and the risk of colorectal polyps. Mm -hmm. Say that three times fast. So those are basically little abnormal growths. They're not cancer, but they're kind of on their way to being colon cancer. Right. And they found that People who ate the most fiber had a 28% lower risk of having those polyps. Really? Really. That's better than one in four. That's pretty strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a reduction in risk. So it's, uh, you know. I think I'll keep eating my high-fiber foods. Thank you. I would imagine so. I would imagine. So, mm. and, and they actually did sort of a dose-response analysis, and uh-huh. they found that every 10 grams of dietary fiber that someone adds to their diet cut the likelihood of having a polyp. Again, those are those precancerous growths by about 9%. I would imagine, too, that the risk of developing a polyp would drop if you eliminate meat from the diet altogether as well. So if you do that, plus you boost your fiber, I think, man, you're 
set oh, yourself yeah. your up to be in, gonna as, be happy. in as best a shape as, as possible. Your colon <laughs> right. will be happy. Yeah. Um, one of the communities that really tends to struggle, unfortunately, with a high prevalence of colorectal cancer is the African-American community. Um, and I know that there has been some research done that looks specifically at African-Americans and high-fiber or low-fiber diets. Yeah, so some really fascinating research published in the journal Nature Communications. Um, and research has been known for a long time, again, like you said, that rates of colon cancer are higher in African-American men. What's interesting is they're actually much lower, particularly than the U.S. average, in African men who are living in rural South Africa. Hmm. And some of the, again, genetically, it's, it's not really a gene issue. These are still very different populations. But more importantly, they're eating extremely different diets. Right. So the diet in rural South Africa is much higher in fiber. It's much lower in fat. So what researchers did was they, they tracked the typical diets of 20 African-American men and 20 African men, again, living in rural South Africa. And they also looked at their risks for colon cancer. And they did a couple of – a bunch of different tests, you know, looking at the, the bugs living in their gastrointestinal tract, the bacteria living there, um, the amount of cell growth and the kind of cell growth that you don't want. So they looked at that at baseline. And then they took these two groups, so African-American men eating the sort of standard American diet and these African men living in rural South Africa, and they switched their diets for two weeks. And what they found in that two weeks was basically that their risk profiles for colorectal cancer switched. Wow. So it's pretty it's pretty impressive stuff. They think, you know, there are multiple reasons for this, but they think it was changes in, you know, decreasing animal protein and increasing carbohydrate and fiber intake. And in particular, the effects that had on their gut bacteria hmm. that may be partly responsible for the changes they saw. That's interesting. And that's something also that hits really close to home in the Washington area where we see in certain um, uh, sections of the city where the rate is even astronomically higher. So if you're in a more affluent area, yep. you're going to see rates that are more in line with the national average. Whereas if you go to these underserved communities, you're going to see like an explosion in the rates of colorectal cancer, like eye-opening, jaw-dropping mind-blowing just explosion increases surge in colorectal cancer cases. Yeah, it's, it's upsetting. really remarkable. It yeah, is upsetting. It really is because again, it's a lot of this just like access, having access to good, healthy foods. It really, it actually, it can make a life or death difference in this case. I would love to do a show uh, on food deserts yes. and things like that. Yes. That is definitely a topic that uh, that needs to be addressed. I don't think that a lot of people know about that. Again, doing the show it's such a privilege because I, I learn about these things. Yep. And the way that I look at it, hopefully not selfishly, is like if I didn't know about it, right. then there are a lot of other people who also didn't know about it. And so it's important that we then get that message out there. Agreed. And I mean, honestly, I, I, I had a lot of nutrition training sort of traditional and I found out about this predominantly on my own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by reading the research literature and looking at, you know, different things that I found and it was like, oh, wait, what's this? Right. So, yeah, it's so important to get this message out here for everyone. Let's talk about women for a second and uh, the risk of breast cancer yeah. and uh, the link there with fiber. I know that that's something that I'm sure that you've studied 
particularly uh, I certainly have closely given given your own history and something probably most people don't think about right so you would think okay well colon cancer and fiber that makes sense because you're eating but actually it makes a difference with breast cancer risk and again this is a big one for moms out there if you have daughters um, it actually makes a difference how much fiber they are eating during their adolescent their preteen and teen years that's actually important to their future risk of breast cancer. So it turns out that, uh, again, a high-fiber diet during adolescence has been linked to a lower breast cancer risk. Now, that was actually according to a study published in the journal Pediatrics, Mm -hmm. and it was part of the Nurses Health Study, too. What they did was they asked women about, they monitored their current fiber intakes and followed them over time. They also asked them about their fiber intake and the kind of food they ate when they were in their adolescent years. And what they found was that the women who ate the most fiber during adolescence and early adulthood lowered their risk for breast cancer later in life compared to those who ate the least fiber back in those formative years. And that's important because that's when breast tissue is forming and maturing. And so you need to have a healthier diet. Now, there's sort of the question, well, why, why does that work, right? (laughs) <laughs> so we fair question right so we discussed that soluble fiber in particular helps to absorb excess cholesterol and steroid hormones and one of those steroid hormones is estrogen wow so you want to have healthy lower estrogen levels particularly in those reproductive years you don't want it too high because high estrogen is linked to an increased risk of breast cancer interesting mm-hmm. and actually most breast cancer tumors are actually fueled their growth is fueled by estrogen so again it's something where you want you do want to have just enough but by eating a fiber-rich diet, you're going to have the right amount and get rid of the rest. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Good information. I know. All right. Uh, here's something that I have struggled with since uh, I think I was clinically diagnosed as depressed in maybe the sixth or seventh grade, somewhere in that ballpark. Can we stop one Oop. more thing? Brief Can I pause. add one thing? Boop, back up. Okay. So I just want to really quick add that it's not just about the developmental years. So if you're like, wow, I had a, you know, I ate the sort of standard American diet as a kid, like. Is that, you know, is it done? (laughs) Like, do I have anything I can do now? It does make a difference to still increase fiber intake in your older adult years as well. So, again, there was um, another study. They looked at over 11,000 women who were postmenopausal, so way past those developmental years, and found that those who were eating the most fiber, and, again, we're looking at about 26 grams per day on average, so Mm -hmm. not as much as we recommend, but still way better than the typical American is doing. Those people were getting, those women were getting 42% they had a 42% lower risk of developing breast cancer. Holy moly. So you still have control even if you're, you know, in those postmenopausal years. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that women knew it wasn't just a matter of what you did when you were younger, but you still have, you can still do something about it now. Interesting. Again, not a magic bullet, but can help reduce risk. And I mean, I think that that goes to the overall theme of the plant-based diet. Yep. You know, it's not a cure-all. No, it's definitely not. But it that's, does a pretty amazing job. That's why we always say lower the risk yes, of. Yes. Correct. You know, Pay pay close attention to the verbiage. Um, All right. Back to where I was going originally. Diagnosed as clinically depressed in the sixth or seventh grade. Had no idea that a lot of that was likely attributable to what it was that I was eating. So today we're talking about burgers, veggie and, and regular hamburgers. One could be considered like uh, the happy pill for, <laughs> and, and the other if the you take it w- will be the the downer if you will kind of yeah and so like it's it's really interesting to me that the veggie option with more fiber can actually alter and improve your mood yeah and there's i mean there's science 
that, that backs this up. So it turns out that a high fiber intake, and again, this is not really from supplements. This is from foods that naturally contain fiber, so mm-hmm. those whole plant foods. That can actually help reduce the risk for symptoms of depression. So this is a study published in Nutrition, and researchers looked at data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, known amongst dietitians as NHANES. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they looked at people's diet records, so people recorded what they ate. And then they also looked at the symptoms that they had recorded on questionnaires about depression. And what they found was that those who ate 21 grams of total fiber per day, at, at least, were less likely to exhibit depressive symptoms compared with those who consumed less fiber. Interesting. So it really does pay. It may even pay in terms of your happiness and well-being to go ahead and eat plant foods that are naturally rich in fiber to bump up those fiber levels. So if you think of fiber in terms of being that scrubber that takes things out of your system, think of fiber scrubbing the unhappiness That's from right. your soul. You're <laughs> We have data to support that, but <laughs> but I like where you're going. Thank you. Uh, but I, I will say, um, you know, even even after I'd lost the weight, you know, like that was still something that uh, that I was struggling with. And I can't say one thousand percent that uh, you know I, I'm over the depressive hill, as it were. But I will say one thousand and one percent that the plant based diet generally much happier person overall. Like it's not even close. Oh yeah. And I think there are multiple reasons for that. Part of it is the fiber. And I will say this, fiber does feed the good bugs in your gut. Mm -hmm. So the good gut bacteria. And there is some, you know, your gut actually produces a lot of your body's serotonin. So there is some evidence that what you're feeding your gut bacteria can directly affect your mood. can also even affect weight, by the way. So it's, you know, you're not just eating fiber and getting rid of the bad stuff. You're also actively nurturing the good bacteria in your gut. Let's talk about the big one now, though, because, right. the, you know, everybody's concerned about weight. That That is the end all be all. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I understand. I do. I really do. It's it's linked with health issues. And it's just, you know, a lot of us just want to fit those pants that we, you know, we've had for a while and may have, you know, outgrown a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. Yeah. So that's why, again, most people are going on a diet not to prevent their risk of heart disease in 20 years. They're doing it because they want to fit in that pair of pants right now. <laughs> I mean, let's just well be honest. said. Uh, but fiber can help uh, being able to uh, button them help. jeans. So we have, again, we've talked about all the chronic diseases that come along with this. But yeah, in terms of, of weight management, absolutely. So I'm sure you talked about this with Hannah, Dr. Kaliova, about the fact that Fiber can trigger the stretch receptors in your stomach and help you feel full, but it does more than that. We also talked about it giving you a steadier rise and fall in blood sugar mm-hmm. because it sort of slows down the absorption of those carbohydrates. But um, there are certain types of fiber called prebiotics. Uh-huh. So not probiotics, which are the like, good bacteria that you can take in a pill. Prebiotics. So this is what I consider to be do-it-yourself probiotics because uh-huh. all you do is you eat healthy fiber and then you make your own probiotics in your gut by feeding the good guys down How there. about that? Right. And so those prebiotic fibers, again, well, they're not just helping to keep you regular. They actually pr- like will nourish the bugs that produce substances that then nourish your cells that line your intestinal tract. And that's a good thing because those cells will then tri- are then triggered to produce hormones that actually diminish appetite and improve satiety or the feeling of being full or comfortable or sated. Yep. So pretty cool. 
Yep. The, the fiber can do that. That's that's really what was kind of at the at the crux of, of the study we were talking about. You it's know, just it's so neat. Like which burger is going to keep you feeling more full for yep. the greatest length of time? Yep. You know, and it was, it was the veggie burger, no yeah. question. And I always used to think, oh, it's just because it's it's you know literally taking up space in your stomach. And the answer is no. It's then going and feeding the good bacteria, which talk to your own cells, which talk to the rest of your body. It's incredible. Mm? Yeah, that fiber, man. Yep. Uh, we talked a lot uh, with uh, Dr. Kaliova. We did about the link between fiber and diabetes. Diabetes is something that she has studied extensively. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about it as well because I'm sure that you've stumbled across some other studies that we maybe didn't necessarily get to earlier in the show. Okay, yeah. Well, absolutely, fiber is linked with diabetes, but in a good way. So a high-fiber diet can actually lower your risk of getting type 2 diabetes. There was a study published in the journal Diabetologia. And wait, say, wait, 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 wait. Diabetologia. 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 Now I'm going to... Diabetologia. Like, did you ever see the Garfield cartoon where they asked him how to walk with four feet and four paws, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, great, now I can't walk anymore? Mm. Now that you're asking me how to say it, I can't say it anymore. Diabetologia. We're going to go with that. So... <laughs> So what these nice researchers did who published their work in that journal, uh, they monitored people's fiber intake. And that was from, you know, cereal grains, not necessarily cold cereal, but like grains, fruits and vegetables and everything else. And this is in the European Prospective Investigation into Cancer and Nutrition. It's also known as the EPIC study. They followed people for 11 years and they found that those who ate the most fiber, and again, we're looking at more than 26 grams per day, so you know, twice what Americans are eating, they had an 18% lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Mm. Yeah. And again, people think, oh, carbohydrates, diabetes, like, yep, carbohydrates, whole fiber rich carbohydrates actually lower your risk of type 2 diabetes. Interesting. So yeah. And then again, they did a meta analysis. So that's a study of studies. They looked at 18 studies. And it turns out there's a 9% decrease in risk for type 2 diabetes for every 10 grams extra of fiber that someone eats. Wow. So I think if that doesn't tell you that fiber is a good thing, I don't know what will. I know. I'm telling you. Uh, are, are, <laughs> are you living diabetologia? I don't know. Living like la diabetes, diabetes logia. Logia. <laughs> I living, see where you're going. Logia. I just live in la vida. La, di, di, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's Perfect. just a fun word to Perfect. say. That's a fun word to say. Uh, last last thing here. Um, I also wanted to ask you about fiber and arthritis because I know that there's there's a link there too. And fiber uh, fiber fiber affects a lot of people, but so does, <laughs> it does. so does uh, arthritis. And you know, even right. somebody close to me, I'm sure that it, it's hit home for a lot of people listening as well. So what's what's the correlation between the two? Yeah, so a lot of people think that osteoarthritis, that's sort of the garden variety, you know, wear and tear arthritis. They think that oh, it's just a matter of age, and certainly age plays a role. But also, it turns out that diet can play a role with arthritis symptoms. So there were two different studies here, and the results were published. I don't even know if I should mention journal names now. No. (laughs) Diabetologia. (laughs) This one, Annals of Rheumatic Diseases. So researchers looked at x-rays of people's joints, and they also looked at their fiber intake and lifestyle data from two different studies, the Osteoarthritis Initiative Study and the Framingham offspring cohort study. And what they found was that those who ate the most fiber in each of those studies had either a 30% and then in the Framingham 
offspring study a 61% lower risk for knee osteoarthritis. Wow. So that's a big deal. Again, if you've had knee arthritis, you know that it could it can really it can put a hitch in your giddy up, yeah. if you will. Yeah. So, and again, yeah, it may not, it's not like threatening the way something like colon cancer is, but it sure is, it sure is well-being threatening in terms of being able to get out there and you enjoy the beautiful weather that we have in spring now. It really, it really makes a difference. So it's good to know that eating a healthy whole food plant-based diet can potentially even help with arthritis. Yeah. There's a lot of upside there. I tell you, fiber. That's why you are the the queen. I heart fiber. I heart nice crown, (laughs) the fiber crown. That's right. Uh, All right. uh, Let's let's have a little bit of fun here. All right. Uh, Let's do it. You have prepared a fiber quiz. I'm curious about this. Obviously, we know that a veggie burger has far more fiber in it than a traditional hamburger. Yes. Uh, But what about some other foods? Let's play which has the most fiber. All right. So I'm going to give you three choices, and you have to tell me which one has the most fiber. Are you ready? Bear in mind, she's the one with a nutrition degree, boys and girls. (laughs) Okay. What has more fiber, a medium banana, a medium orange, or a cup of blueberries? Mm, Banana, orange, or blueberries. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go blueberries because of the skin on the blueberry. Oh, that's a very, that's an excellent theory. And you are correct. Yeah. Go Chuck. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to take it a level up and we have blueberries and raspberries. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go raspberries maybe because of the seeds. Oh, you're two for two. Go, Chuck. Mm. And I want to make a point here that, again, the average American is getting 10 to 15 grams of fiber per day. Yeah. And we have a cup of raw raspberries with eight grams of fiber. Wow. So people could increase their fiber by about 50% or more if they just eat a cup of raspberries. And blueberries come down at 3.6 grams of fiber. Super easy to do. You can plow through a cup of raspberries oh, without even thinking absolutely. about it. Absolutely. And again, they don't have to be fresh. You can do frozen. If fresh is too expensive, go for the frozen one. Absolutely. So delightful. Storm right but, into that oatmeal. But it is, as we tape this, you know, it's uh, weather's getting a little I warm. Know. It's going to be raspberry I'm season. I'm pretty excited about I'm it. I'm excited too. Are you ready? We're going to move on to the next group. Vegetables? Vegetables. I'm a little Psychic. bit concerned. Like, I, I think that this is going to be a little bit more difficult, honestly. <laughs> oh, it is. So get ready. All right. Okay, these are all, this is per cup cooked for all three of these. And these are three of my favorite veggies. That is a terrifying look I'm getting right now. He's I'm, ready. I'm nervous, he is man. Serious. It's like, I, I, I feel very good about what just happened with the <laughs> He's fruits. He's going into battle here. I don't okay. want to let everybody down. All right. So we have. We have broccoli. Okay. We have kale, mm-hmm. and we have collard greens. Mm-hmm. Now, which one of those has the most fiber? All right, broccoli, kale, collard greens. Mm-hmm. Kale can be pretty fibrous just by its touch. Mm-hmm. But collard greens are so big. And broccoli's got all those little. It does the florets. Yes, florets. But you know doodles, what? But florets is definitely as much as I love kale. <laughs> yes, and as much as I love broccoli. Yeah, the southerner in me is going with the college. Just you because are I'm from the easing south. this. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. I do love collard greens, and I love and I mean I love kale and I love broccoli. But just so you guys know, for your future nutritional knowledge prowess, mm. sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Collards. 7.6 grams of fiber in a cup wow. cooked now. Broccoli, 5.1. And kale, while I love kale and it is a great vegetable, only four point, only only 4.7 grams of fiber. Really? I would have guessed kale before broccoli. Nope. 
collards, broccoli, and kale. Wow. Yep. Okay. Now, maybe they're taking out the stems. I don't know. But it just that just makes a case for collard greens, which wow. are also really high in highly absorbable calcium. Oh, Magnesium, potassium, so collard greens. That's the new kale. little vinegar on top oh, of those. So man. good. You just go to town. Yep. All right. So you're doing pretty well here. I'm feeling on good food about groups, this. we're two for two. I'm feeling okay. good. So the next one, well, this one, I don't know. We'll see how you do because we're going to move on to the grains. Oh, dear. So I'm going to have one. <laughs> grains. Um, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I, this is going to be a 50-50 chance at best. Well, I'll give you, I'll throw, I'll throw a gimme in there. Okay. Okay. So it really is going to be 50-50 now. So which has more fiber? We're looking at a cup of cooked oatmeal. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a cup of cooked quinoa mm-hmm. or a cup of cooked white rice. You're welcome. Okay. Well, we're just going to take that last one out. <laughs> uh, so it comes down to quinoa and oatmeal. It does. Now, quinoa is a complete protein and it is delicious in a salad. Mm-hmm. Well, it's basically delicious anyway. It is. And sometimes I sprinkle quinoa in with my oatmeal. Really? Yeah. With, wow, yeah. you rebel. Panera turned me on to that. <laughs> really? Panera has like what they call like power oatmeal where they put like quinoa and a couple shaved almonds and um, and a little sprinkle of cinnamon in there. Well, I need to crawl out from under my rock and go try some yeah. things. Okay, wow. All right. Quinoa yeah. on your oatmeal. You heard it here first. Well, uh, Panera, but then here. <laughs> all right. So a cup cooked. Um, I'm just going to say. Uh, White rice. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not white rice. I'm I'm gonna go with the oatmeal just because it's oatmeal. Oh uh, no! Sorry, Chuck. You were doing so well. The quinoa has five. You thought I was trying to trick you. The quinoa has five point two grams of fiber in a cup. The oatmeal has four, and the white rice womp womp zero point six. Yeah, womp oh. womp womp womp. <laughs> All right. All right. Are you ready for the last group? All right. This is this is awesome. And this is, I'm just going to tell you, this group, it raises the bar on fiber, just so you know. Mm-hmm. All, right, All right. So get ready, because is there a bean that you do not like? No. That's one of the reasons we're friends. All right. So that's all like, the beans. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Get ready. We're all good. So, ready? Yeah. Which has more fiber? Navy beans, black beans, or lentils? Go. Per cup. Cooked. Navy, Navy, black, black lentils. lentils. All right. Navy beans, good. They are delightful. Black beans, very versatile bean. Super versatile. The best when it comes to making uh, Mexican food. Oh, yeah. There's no question. And salads, they look cool in there. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with lentils, though. Ooh. Uh, that seems like the outlier there. That seems like you might be trying to trick me. Yeah. And so I'm going with lentils. Is that your final answer? It is. All right. And you are? Wrong. Wrong. How Dag did you know? Am I, I'm because of the look you shot me. You're like, yeah, you ah. got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I may have been. That is true. So the winner actually is navy beans. No kidding. Yeah. A cup of navy beans. Again, this is more fiber than most people eat all day. 19 grams of fiber. Holy Toledo. Even for us, that's halfway there for the fiber that we recommend here. One cup of beans? Cooked. Navy beans, wow. 19 grams of fiber. Uh, lentils at 15.6, so still pretty good showing. Yeah. And black beans also excellent at 16.6. Wow. But navy beans, killing it. Navy I beans know. for the win. I do love some navy beans, so I now I love them even more. How about that? Yep. Lee Crosby coming All right. through with that fiber knowledge. Fiber. That know-how. <laughs> I'm feeling good about things. This is why, like... I really think that we should challenge listeners to come up with a, a maybe a crown oh, design for you. That would be 
Fantastic. Because as the fiber queen, I feel like you, you need that crown to I wear on your I will 100% wear that. Yeah. It can go on the gram. It's going to yeah. be great. Mm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You heard it. Okay. Do it. I'm waiting for the crown. Do it. The fiber crown? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then we'll build you a Game of Thrones style <laughs> oh dear. throne too. And it's just like the fiber throne. That'd be awesome. Ooh, Isn't that already ooh, the bathroom? getting like a little scary. The fiber. Oh, thank you. Ooh, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, seriously, Lee Crosby, thank you so much for your time. So uh, glad to have been here. You're, as always, more than just a voice on the podcast. You are very real. I can reach I, across this table human. and pinch you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you no, nah, <laughs> I would never. Uh, no, nah, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you are available for a consultation. I sure am. Uh, upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. Absolutely. So check that out. Barnardmedical.org is the place to go to uh, make that appointment. Would love to see people. Fine. And the people would love to see you too. The Fiber Queen. Lee Crosby, thank you very much for your time. Glad to be here. All hail the Fiber Queen, Lee Crosby. Before we get to our next guest, I have a question for you. What are you doing later this month? Hmm? I want you to join me for the free Online Food Revolution Summit starting April 27th. Mark your calendars. Check this out. You'll experience nine, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days of nutrition education sessions with 25. Four leading experts on health and nutrition, all of it led by John and Ocean Robbins. So who is John Robbins? Well, very cool. John is the heir to the Baskin Robbins ice cream throne, but he walked away to focus on something much, much, much healthier. And at this summit, Dr. Neil Barnard, he's going to be there talking about how food can affect your hormones. We're talking about everything from acne to fertility to cancer and even your thyroid. And then you're also going to hear about heart disease from doctors Kim Williams and Dean Ornish and breast cancer from Dr. Christy Funk and how to thrive as a plant-based athlete. You're going to hear all about that from Rich Roll, plus a whole lot more that you're not going to want to miss. So you want to go? It is free after all. Click on the link that we've posted on the podcast page, pcrm.org slash podcast, and you will get access to the entire program at absolutely no charge whatsoever. What? That is amazing. Switching gears on the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hello, the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll still here with you. Coming up on May 10th and 11th right here in Washington, D.C., just about a stone's throw away from the exam room studios here at the Physicians Committee headquarters, we are going to be holding the event of all events. If you have never gone plant-based in your life, you're curious just how does this work? What is all of the science behind it? What should I eat, for goodness gracious sakes? These are all important questions. And really, the big one, how can it change my life? In the course of just 48 hours, really a little bit less than that even, we are going to be able to answer all of those as we present our Kickstart Intensive. And here to discuss all about that is dietitian, brand new and making his debut on the exam room, is dietitian from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, Min Nguyen. Welcome to the show, my man. 
Hey, Chuck, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you, you coming in and taking the time to talk about this. This will actually be your second time being involved in the Kickstart Intensive program here, and the first one was just a rousing success. Yes, that's right, Chuck. Um, we had our last Kickstart Intensive back in January, and that was a sold-out event, extremely successful People really, really enjoyed it. It was delicious food, uh, lectures, cooking demonstrations throughout the weekend. Here's the thing. When somebody first decides to go plant-based, maybe they've heard the vegan buzzword being thrown around. Maybe they have a friend or a family member who's made that uh, transition to a plant-based diet, and they're seeing all of the tremendous results that come with it. Maybe they lost a ton of weight. Maybe they're coming off of a lot of medication. Maybe they just want to do it for their own health, but they don't know the first thing about how to do it. What are those first steps? And that's exactly what this program attempts to answer for them. Yes, that's that's correct. We'll um, you know be providing the tools, and that's why we'll have the nutrition education lectures, uh, telling like the science behind this, but also how can you go home? How do you bring this back home? Uh, we'll provide meal planning and, and cooking demonstrations. And the neat thing is you'll be able to taste the food at that that's going to be prepared during the Kickstarter Intensive both days. And that's an important thing, that to be able to taste the food, especially if you're unfamiliar with this diet. So again, there's this kind of misconception out there, this myth that all vegan food tastes like grass. I can't tell you how many of my friends in the sports world are like, man, I don't know how you eat nothing but salads. And nothing could be further from the truth. So it's really important that these guys get an opportunity to sample everything that the plant-based diet has to offer and we're talking about some phenomenal phenomenal options that are going to be served up that's right that's right uh, both days with the registration you know, we'll include breakfast lunches and snacks uh, mm -hmm. yeah the all-important snack that's right, right. That's <laughs> afternoon right. snack you know to get you going it it is a long day right it's a two two day Full day, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So, you know, want to get everyone the fuel to, to sustain through the weekend. Food is a big selling point, and I'm really glad that it's included in the cost of, <laughs> of the program. Uh, can you give us an example of what it is that we're going to be serving uh, those uh, two days there, May 10th and 11th? Uh, I know when I was at the January event, I mean, it was knock your socks off good. So what do we, what do we have planned this go-round? Yes. Uh, yeah, we will be having a oatmeal bar on that Friday morning with, I mean, fresh toppings, fruits, like berries, banana. We'll have the choice of plant-based milks, uh, adding things like nuts and dried fruits, like dates, raisins, cranberries. For lunch, we'll have a, a bean dish, a black bean chili, and there's for dessert, you have ambrosia, but there are other uh, salads and, and a missing egg salad as well, and snacks, a, a trail mix, some coffee to get you through the afternoon, along with some non-dairy creamers and sweeteners. And next day, we'll have things like sweet potato hash, a tofu scramble, and lunch, another a salad, quesadillas, um, macamole. It's like a twist on guacamole. Not yes. guacamole. Not guacamole. Okay, what is macamole? All right, 
hit me with that knowledge. Yeah, so macamole, uh, we since we do promote a low-fat plant-based diet, right? Uh, avocados are very high in fat, so we we make a low-fat version of that made using peas. Really? Peas. Really now? I have never heard of macamole. This is fascinating. You see, and here I've been plant-based for three years, and I'm still learning. I had no idea that you could make macamole out of green peas. Who knew? Yeah, Did yes. you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know, and you know, until like following this like plant-based. And I mean, it's for this is also for those who are just looking to improve their their diet, like learn more things, recipes, and and tips. Uh, to take with you, so you're always learning. is a is a journey. Yeah, it's no no question about it. If there's anything that I've learned from doing this show now, it is that it is a journey that is never ending. Just when you think you know everything that there is to know, you learn more, mm-hmm. and you realize that you don't know half of what it is that you need to know, or could know, or should know. There's so much that goes into it, and that's kind of the cool part about this program, is it really gets you off on the right foot there. Those two days, you learn a ton. It's going to get you going. If you don't know the first thing, you're going to know the first, second, third, fourth, all the way probably through the 10th and 20th thing that you need to know about about going plant-based. One of the cool things that I really like about this program, and we'll talk specifically about some of the education uh, that's going to be offered, but Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about somebody who attended the previous immersion in January, took all of the information that was given to him, and has already started to see just an incredible health transformation. Yes, uh, there's Chris. Chris and his wife, Lori, both attended our Kickstart Intensive in January, and they they really took what they learned back home. Chris has now got off his blood pressure by medication by more than half. Nice. And his doctors said, thinking that he will be off into off his blood pressure medication entirely within the next few months, and uh, cholesterol medication as well. Chris has lost over 20 pounds now and continues to lose weight. And it, Chris said the, the intensive for him and his wife has been life-changing. And to hear the testimonials from, from people who, who went through this right there, right in front of him at the Kickstarter intensive, was very, he found very helpful. And now he's experiencing those like, life-changing you know, things too. That's that's really incredible. Like I love hearing stories like that. Maybe I'll get an opportunity to have Chris on the show uh, as he continues his yes. journey. I think that that's just really a, a great thing to hear, and you you will hear. I mean, I'm going to be speaking uh, out there on the, that Friday morning, uh, May 10th. But you're going to hear from other people. You're going to hear from Eric O'Gray, who has just this phenomenal story about turning his own health around. Walking with Petey. If you haven't uh, looked up that book yet, I highly recommend that you check it out. But All of these testimonies, people such as Chris and myself and Eric, but then we get to the experts, the Mm -hmm. science behind it. And you look at this face and you don't really see geek. All right, men. All right. I'm kind of like a jock. I have a sports background. Make no mistake about it. I'm a geek in disguise because I love the science behind nutrition. And that is something that if you are a geek at all, you get into this stuff, this is kind of the place that you want to be because we have all of our resources coming to this event, including Dr. Neil Barnard, who's going to kick everything off. 
what is he talking about? I think that he's on the schedule actually a few times. That's right. Yeah, Dr. Bernard will be going over different topics. Uh, he'll be kicking off. He'll be talking about power foods for the brain, uh, you know, food seductions. He'll be covering, of course, his you know, famous like cheese trap, talking about mm-hmm. you know, the addiction mm-hmm. of cheese and going through all of that. If you have never heard him talk in person about the cheese trap, I really think that you're going to get a ton out of it. I've had him on the show to talk about that a couple of times now, and it always just blows my mind the way that he's able to break that all down about why people say, hey, I could go vegan, except I just can't give up cheese. The way that the brain reacts to cheese is unbelievable. And then he gets to talking about the the casomorphines and the opiate-like effect that cheese has on the brain. It's really kind of fascinating science that he's going to be discussing there. But beyond that, we also have your colleagues up there. Uh, Lee Crosby, another frequent guest here on the exam room. She's going to be talking about things as well. She's going to be talking about complete nutrition there on Friday morning. What exactly does complete nutrition entail for Lee? Mm -hmm. So complete nutrition, uh, it's often people... You know, aren't sure how can you get all you know nutrition from a plant-based diet? Where things like protein, uh, where things like you know address questions like B12, how much that should be taking, uh, iodine, and uh, and more, just mm-hmm. different like vitamins and minerals that you you will get from a plant-based diet that you won't find in the standard American diet. Right. Right. There's uh, really and and so if you eat this well balanced diet, this is something that I actually had an opportunity to speak with Dr. T. Colin Campbell about over this weekend was that if you eat this well rounded whole food plant based diet, that you really will minimize, if not completely eliminate, your need altogether for supplements. You you really shouldn't need any if you're eating this way, and that's some of what Lee is going to be talking about. And oh, by the way, Lee is also going to be teaching you um, how to stock your pantry. Okay, so that's the big thing. So now you know why you should go plant-based. You kind of know how to do it. But then what in the world do you buy at the grocery store? No problem. We've got you covered there as well. Yes. uh, Yeah. I mean, you have the knowledge, right? And how do you use this knowledge and and take it back home, take it to the grocery store? It It can be very overwhelming. It's a lot of information. But we'll break it down for you, what things to buy, recommendations, uh, cooking gadgets that might be helpful for the kitchen to make things easier. Uh, we'll, we'll go over all of that and answer any of your questions. One of the more popular episodes that we ever did was the time that Lee and I went downstairs to the grocery store here, Rodman's, and went shopping loaded up our, our cart for two people for an entire week. We did that for $45, you know, as uh, eating vegan on a budget. So even if money is tight, that's certainly something that Lee will be able to, you know, help accommodate you uh, with, or at least point you in the right direction. Um, and it's really kind of important stuff as well, because you can, you, you can think, man, well, I, I want to eat this, I want to eat that. But then 
you know, whenever you, you change your diet for the first time, if you've ever gone and you've made a grocery list, man, I've got this whole legal pad ahead of me, in front of me, rather, and I'm telling you, my, my grocery list, my shopping list, the first go-round, whenever you switch the diet, it was always at least a full page, page and a half of things to buy. Mm-hmm. I would hope that Lee, and she's going to be doing this with uh, another dietitian, very familiar to the show, Maggie Neola, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be able to break that down, simplify it, tell you what to put in your cart. Take all of the guesswork out of it. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, very important stuff. Now, here's here's uh, where I think that a lot of people are also going to be very interested, and that is, well, how does this plant-based diet compare to other fad diets out there? How does it compare to keto or the Mediterranean or, or paleo or, or a gluten-free diet? How does it compare? That's something also that you all will be discussing, correct? That's right. Yeah, we'll be having these two-minute topics on different you know, diets, keto, Mediterranean, debunking the, the paleo diet, gluten-free diet as well. I mean, things for dinner table talks, right? Sometimes mm. you ask these questions by your colleagues, friends, and family, and we'll, we'll address all of that. Another sticking point, you go plant-based. You think you know now what to put in the cart, what you should eat. But then how do you go out to eat? How do you navigate those waters with friends, with family who aren't eating a vegan diet? How do you deal with those social pressures who say, you can have a steak tonight or, or just eat, eat chicken just this once. It'll be completely easy for you. You don't have to do anything crazy. That way we can all go out to eat together. These are tips that we will also be addressing at the program so that we can keep people on track. Yes, uh, that, that's certainly important. Right, navigating social situations when you're traveling, when you're dining out, uh, we will we'll be covering that as well. It's, have you ever been in a situation like that? You, you go out with friends and it's like, oh, where do you want to go to eat? And it's like, let's just go to KFC or something like that. And it's like, man, I really know KFC is just not going to work for me. So how, how do you personally navigate that? Yeah, so I personally, I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to be you're going to be in that situation. It's, mm-hmm. it's, bound, it's going to be bound to happen. You're making this big you know, lifestyle change, you know, transforming your health, feeling a lot better, but you know, others around you haven't experienced that, that same um, life change. So how I navigate that, I mean, I generally make sure I, I eat be- before I go places. That's really, really nice because... That way, if you do go to a restaurant where you can get something to eat, it's, like, it's a nice bonus. You get an extra little something. Mm-hmm. And um, also just carrying, make sure you're carrying snacks with you as well. Some snacks. Always have some snacks handy in That's your right. bag, in your car. Um, That's so clutch. That is yeah. so clutch. So important. Never be caught uh, with your pants down, as the saying goes. You know, you don't want to be a slave to the vending machine or have to pop into a Seven Eleven where your choices aren't exactly plentiful. So take care of yourself ahead of time, and you're going to be in a much better situation. That's now, right. I can tell you also from experience that sometimes when you go out with friends and family members, and and you'll dive really deeply into this at the intensive itself. But for me, sometimes. Uh, especially when I go and I visit my in-laws down in Southern Virginia, they they don't know anything about this. God bless them. They're they're advanced in age and um and kind of set in their ways. And I've tried, man. I've tried really hard to get them to to go, but they won't do it. So when we go out to eat, they always want to go to a steakhouse. But 
here's here's what I was not expecting. As much as I would not choose personally to go dine at a steakhouse, I have found that at a steakhouse, it is one of the easier places to get plant-based options on the menu, as bizarre and as wild as that sounds. That's kind of the stuff that I hope that you will be talking about also uh, at the program, because, uh, I mean, really, you can get a baked sweet potato, you can get some steamed vegetables, you can get some rice, you're going to be A-OK. You're going to walk out of there feeling just as good as you ever did. It's, you know, simple, simple things like that that you would never even think about. Well, how in the world can you be vegan at a steakhouse? Well, <laughs> here's how. Here's how. Um, and you, my friend, we can't wrap this up without mentioning that you also will be talking there. So what is it that uh, you'll be presenting? Yes, yes. I, I will be covering um, one of the, the two-minute topics. I will be talking about the, the processed meat and, and cancer um, and you know, why is processed meat so bad? Uh, we'll, I'll be covering that. Yeah. Uh, that is a, a very popular one. That is another show that was among our most downloaded, definitely in our top 10 of all time. We called it the Meat Cancer Connection, and we broke it all down. Um, and so I'm really, really happy to hear that you're going to be talking about that. Um, other things here, just real quick before we wrap up. Uh, learn how good nutrition impacts. All right, here's what you're going to learn, uh, just in bullet point form. Uh, how to control your weight, lose weight, keep it off, no more yo-yo dieting. Diabetes, that's so big for so so many people, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know the correlation between a plant-based diet and positively impacting uh, type 2 diabetes in particular, but certainly even if you're a type 1 diabetic, you will be reaping benefits. Food addiction. God bless you for having this on the program. This is no joke. Food addiction is why I got up to 420 pounds. I was probably 80 to 85% of, of it. Because I could not stop eating, and I did not understand why until I actually had a chance to sit down with Dr. Barnard after the fact, and he really explained the science behind it. And so that's a really powerful lecture that I think that a lot of people are going to take so much away from. Uh, blood pressure, that's a big one. We just heard about Chris. And testimonial. He's getting his health under control. His cholesterol is down. And brain health, man. Who doesn't want to stay sharp until a ripe old age, right? Mm -hmm. huh? Of course. <laughs> Happy brain health. So here's the deal, man. Uh, we are still offering an early registration fee, but that lower price, it does end soon. Uh, April 26th, I think, is the deadline right. to lock in the low rate. That's right. Uh, and then uh, after that, it goes up to the full price. But May 10th and 11th at the Embassy Suites in dc mm -hmm. that is the place that you're going to want to be uh hop online go to barnardmedical.org slash kickstart again barnardmedical.org slash kickstart that's how you register or if you're old school you're old school and you're listening to a podcast that's a bit of an oxymoron but whatever uh if you're old school call 202-527-7341 again 202-527-7341 and you can register there as well and Here's a pro tip just for me personally. If you sign up for this, and I dearly hope that I will see you out there, I would love to meet you, you need to take a minute or two or three, or you'll probably need five, really, and ask Min about his running habits in the lovely nation's capital, because you, sir, are a phenomenon. You are a phenomenal runner, but you do something that nobody else in this office does. And really, I'm not sure that there are very many people in this entire city that do this. I've never seen it. 
why is it that you run barefoot? Yeah. No shoes, man. You're a wild man, man. Yeah. Why? Talk to me. Uh, yeah, the and the, the feet. The um, if you're wearing you know, modern shoes, often very constricted. Uh, the the shoe you try to get shoes that fit your feet, but really you should get you know like the uh, completely opposite. You want your feet to be able to use its muscles. Um, there are a lot of nerves, and it's just really, really good for the running form and uh, just strengthening the foot. Right. <laughs> He's very subdued right now, but when we were talking about this over the weekend, he was all sorts of giddy, like on cloud nine, bouncing up and down, like watch me take my shoes off and run to the garage right now. This is how much I love doing it. Min is a wild man, despite how mild-mannered he's coming off right now on the program. Uh, you, are, you are a real character, man, and I'm looking forward to having you back on the show because it is now my personal goal in life to pull that wild man out and get him on the microphone because the exam room listeners they need to know the full men <laughs> they need to know the full men experience he's blushing by the way right now uh you can't see it uh you can actually make an appointment and go and visit him as well he is a heck of a dietitian will help kickstart your program get that going in the right direction as well just visit barnardmedical.org set up an appointment there or of course go visit may 10th and 11th the kickstart intensive in washington dc just a stone's throw away from here we are uh right here at the exam room studios in beautiful northwest washington min win thanks for taking taking the time my friend yeah thank you chuck thanks for having me the man actually runs in his bare feet on the streets of washington dc men when you sir are a brave soul and what a show we had today the burger battle beef versus plants and the reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the nutrition world, plants. Such a cool study by Dr. Kaliova and her team. We've posted a link to it on our website in its entirety, pcrm.org slash podcast. Go there if you want to view the full results. I highly encourage you to check it out. Before we go today, I also wanted to give a big thank you to Gwen Whitaker and her team for putting on the amazing Fairfax VegFest just outside of Washington over the weekend. I had an absolute blast speaking there, and I met so many great listeners of the exam room. It means the world to me when you guys come up and you say hi. <laughs> and get this. And Lee, Lee Crosby, one listener actually ran up to me all excited because Lee was speaking there and she had the opportunity to meet the Fiber Queen. Yes, she referred to Lee as the Fiber Queen. And I'm not kidding you. It was the greatest thing ever. This show and all of its little quirks is taking off. And I cannot thank you enough we're helping this thing catch on. It, it is really just a ton of fun. And, you know, another listener reminded me that I had promised to try mixing just a dollop of peanut butter with some sweet potatoes in some sort of a recipe. She was wondering how it would turn out. How did it taste? I got to tell you, seemed like a bizarre combo, but I assure you, I assure you, quite delicious. Went home and tried it. Quite delicious. Also, while I was there, total bucket list moment. I had the opportunity to meet the legendary Dr. T. Colin Campbell, and this was a true honor. 
so excited to announce that he's going to be a guest on the show in the very near future. He and I had a phenomenal conversation that I cannot wait to share with you. This guy is the rock star of all vegan rock stars. Unbelievable. Say, 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 did you know that we're more than just an audio delight? Yes, indeed. The exam room is also available on YouTube for you to watch tons of episodes right there on the Physicians Committee's own YouTube channel, just waiting for you to click play. Go ahead and do that. And of course, you can also subscribe to the show auditorily. Subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are available. That is where you can find us. And when you do subscribe... Please also leave a five-star rating and a nice comment if you would be so kind. So what were your big takeaways from the burger battle today? What were your big takeaways from the encyclopedia of fiber that Lee brought us? Let us know. Tweet me or tweet the show at Chuck Carroll WLC. As always, that's Carroll with two R's and two L's and the WLC standing for weight loss champion. You can also tweet the show at PCRM or hit us up on Instagram. Lots of great messages there as well, at Chuck Carroll, WLC, and a little bit different for the show. This time it is at Physicians Committee. You guys never shy about sharing your opinion, so don't be blushing now. Now is not the time to blush. Give us your two cents, or if you have a question, ask away. We will be happy to try to answer. Speaking of which, if there's anything that you'd ever like for us to talk about on the show, let us know that too. We get so many great suggestions from you all, and I promise you, I promise you, we will be devoting full shows to a lot of these suggestions in the very near future. But that's going to do it for today. So my thanks again to Dr. Hana Kaliofa for refereeing this great burger battle and to Lee Crosby and Min Nguyen for their time as well. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based.